Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the Fight. I'm your host, David, and as always, we are brought to you by 1-800-CONTACTS. want to give a big shout out to them for their constant community support, and also Lingo Eyewear. If you need good glasses, specifically nice-looking, stylish prescription glasses, and they even do prescription sunglasses as well, go to Lingo Eyewear at www.liingoeyewear.com backslash light the fight. Put in there the promo code, the full phrase, light the fight, and you'll receive $30 off your very first purchase and order. And trust me, these glasses are amazing. Whenever I want to look smart or less stupid, I put my glasses on and they do the trick. So lingoeyewear.com backslash light the fight. And remember to use promo code light the fight for $30 off. So today's episode, I want to go over something with you that is something that I've been talking about a lot lately. Because as many of you guys know, I have a high school curriculum, uh, actually a high school class slash curriculum here at a local high school that we've been developing for the past couple years. And just over the past couple days, I was just going through some of the curriculum lessons. And one of the newer lessons that I added just this past year in the curriculum is a lesson about negotiation. So I want to do today's episode, since it's a summer episode, and a lot of you out there are living the good summer life. You're letting your kids get away with a little bit more. You're a little bit more relaxed. Today is cool. They don't have the pressure of stress, the stressful pressures of school on them. So they're actually easier to parent. They're more loving. They're more kind and caring. At least I'm hoping this is your situation. So whatever that was bringing you to listen to this podcast in the first place, I'm hoping that throughout the summer, things have backed off and eased off a little bit. Now, that may not be the case for everyone, but for my clients and people I work with, it seems to at least lighten a little bit during the summer. So... This is a good time for you to practice being an example or not really a teacher, but someone who is going to give your kids the opportunity to learn how to be better at negotiating. Because one thing I've learned in 23 years working with teenagers and mental health and school and, you know, all different types of situations, teenagers suck at negotiating. Yes, I said it. They do not come out of the womb as good negotiators. They come out as demanders as they become teenagers. Uh, sometimes they get a little entitled thanks to us hardworking parents that work really hard to provide all the luxuries of life that our parents didn't provide for us, couldn't provide for us, or said, deal with it. We're not going to provide it for you anyways. So obviously us as parents sometimes are guilty of giving our kids a little bit too much privilege, uh, enabling them a little bit. And um, so negotiation is something that I've seen in my career as something that we don't typically teach in schools. We don't teach at home, but kids are just expected to learn how to do it. In fact, when I talk to parents, something that comes up pretty often is parents will tell me that they don't like it, how their kids just come at them, beg and plead for them to let them go hang out with their friends, even though they didn't do their chores or to you know, not get mad at them for coming home late or whatever the issue is. 
And they get, the parents will tell me they get frustrated and angry that their kids are begging, pleading and doing all these things and want things from them. But the parent feels like, man, I don't get anything in return. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I feel as if they're taking uh, for granted my niceness and all the things I've done for them. Then parents will tell me all the ways that it causes fights and frustration for them at the house. Well, I usually tell the parent, I say, okay, well, have you ever taught your kid how to negotiate? I can't think of one parent that immediately says, oh, yeah, we do that all the time. To be honest, I don't think I've ever heard a parent answer that question with a yes. They usually answer it with a, well, uh, um, I mean, I we tell them to communicate better. We tell them that if you want something from me, you got to say please. You got to be polite. I'm like, okay. Teenagers especially, preteens included, and even older kids, they're past the stage of if they're polite, if they're nice, if they bat their eyelashes, that they're going to get what they want and they're going to be able to bargain, negotiate with people. Because that's not negotiation. That's flattery. That's uh, sometimes, you know, begging and pleading and bribery. So teenagers, kids in general, as they get older, they've learned certain coping mechanisms to cope with stress. Some of those ways they cope with stress is try to beg and plead to have their parents get them out of the stress, get them out of trouble, whatever the, the hole that they dug for themselves. They're like begging and asking for their parents to get them out of that situation. So when I ask parents this question, do you teach your kids how to negotiate? They, of course, always say, well, no, I, I, I don't know. I, we just tell them to communicate better. Telling your kid to communicate better, telling your kid that what their approach is when it comes to asking you for things doesn't work or you don't like it, that's not showing them how to do it. So this summer, I want all the listeners here Light the Fight, I want you to make an actual effort, really put forth effort. I'm going to give you some information how to do it in just a minute how to teach your kids how to negotiate by taking almost every opportunity where they're coming to you asking you for something as an opportunity for you to show them what good negotiation looks like. So you would first need to know what you know. Harvard Law School right here, I'm about to share with you, has entitled as a framework of seven different steps that are required to be a good negotiator, to be a good negotiator and to have successful agreements that you can negotiate with other people. Now, I put this inside my curriculum. Um, I teach this to kids in a more watered-down version, of course. But I'm going to share with you guys these seven, uh, these, seven, you know, these seven parts of this framework. Now, this is not what I've been using throughout the years in, um, in my private practice. I've kind of watered it down so it's a little bit more basic. But I think this is relevant for you guys listening to this because this isn't something that will just work simply with uh, your kids. It'll also work with coworkers, family, friends, whoever it is you're trying to make deals with or having to negotiate with in some way, shape, or form. So in regards to your kids, excuse me, I'm going to go over really quick, first of all, a definition that I found that I really like about um, uh, negotiation and then break down the seven different steps and then share with you that there are a number of podcasts we've done on this channel that shows you the tools needed for the communication component of negotiation. So once we get to that point, I'll point out a couple different tools for you, remind you to go back and listen to those podcasts to brush up on that. Or if you don't need to listen to the podcast to brush up on, you know what you need to do. This will be a very helpful reminder because every time, like I said, your kids come to you this summer and there's no drama and there's no fighting, they want things from you. This is actually the best time 
to show them that you want them to bring deals and negotiations to you. And if they're clever, if they're smart and they take these steps into consideration, then there's a high probability that you'll give them what they want. Even if you're going to give them what they want, I still want you to do this because it teaches them how to negotiate versus how to just get better at asking for things that they want. I think it's safe to say that we don't need more entitled youth on this planet. We don't need more entitled people in general. So this is a way to teach your kids to negotiate instead of demand, instead of be frustrated, and instead of trying to just beg and plead for the things they want. So the definition. Um, what is negotiation? The definition I came up with, it's not my definition. It's actually an author of a, one of the authors of the book I'm going to be referring to in a moment. So it's called, uh, the definition is back and forth communication designed to reach an agreement when you and the other side have some interests that are shared and others that are opposed. So back and forth communication. So right there we hear that a negotiation isn't someone demanding or asking something. So when your kid comes to you and they say, mom, can I go hang out with Steve and Tony? And your first thought is, I know you didn't mow the lawn because I'm looking at it right now. Of course, it's just an example. Work with me here. And your second thought is, you have the audacity to ask me to go hang out with your friends when I've been telling you all day long, you said you'll do it, you'll do it. Now your friends come over and you want me to just let you do it tomorrow? Now in that situation, if the son's been pretty decent throughout the summer, hasn't given the mom a lot of troubles, and the mom is like, she kind of knows she doesn't want to get into it with her son, so she's just going to go like, Fine, whatever, but you better finish that tomorrow. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. This would be a great opportunity for this mom, if this was a real scenario, to use it, an opportunity to teach her son how to learn how to do negotiation. So the first step right here, the back and forth communication, actually this isn't a step, this is just in the definition. Think about it as this has to be multiple back and forth in order for it to be considered a negotiation. Now, the first step of this seven-work framework that, like I said just a little bit ago, this is something that was created by the Harvard Law School. The first step is, in, okay, before I share the first step, they made a very interesting point here that I think it's, it, it's important to share with your kids. I do this with my students. I do this with the kids I counsel all the time. I tell them that most people don't like to negotiate. Now, when I tell them this, it's because kids are asking me, hey, could you give me a better grade? Could you excuse me for me being absent all the time? Or can you not mark me tardy even though I was here really late? Whenever they're asking me favors or coming to me or I see them trying to sneak out of the class, I'll catch them and I'll use this opportunity to tell them, I say, hey, instead of trying to sneak out, instead of trying to beg and plead and do all these things that you probably did in elementary school and middle school to get a teacher to give what you want, I said, I want you to try to negotiate with me. If you come to me and say, hey, listen, if you let me out of class earlier today, I will stay up, I'll stay after class tomorrow and clean up, you know, some of the trash. Now, I've told kids that before and they said, well, why would it help stay up, clean up late? I said, well, if it means a lot to you to leave early because they come up with things like, it's my friend's birthday. We want to go surprise them at their class and whatever, whatever, right? And they're begging, begging. I said, okay, well, you can beg, but you should learn to negotiate. So instead... You should come to me and say, listen, I'd be willing to stay late to help you clean up because it means so much to me to go surprise my friend for their birthday before they get out of class, before lunch starts, that I'm willing to do this for you. What these kids don't realize when I tell them this is that 
Sometimes if you offer negotiation like that, the person you're offering the negotiation and say you're willing to do this, sometimes they won't even require you to do that. Sometimes they'll say, you know, I'll tell you what. I'll let you go and do that for your friend. Obviously, you're a good friend. It means a lot. And I appreciate you asking to help out, but it's it's totally fine. It's good. Go ahead. Now, if you're a student that struggled, if this is a real situation, if you're, you know, if this was a student that struggled um, following through with the things that they're saying they're going to do and they were struggling in the class, I would say, you know what? I tell you what, I'll take you up on that offer. Now, tomorrow, I'll remind you one time. If you don't stay after and help out, that's fine. I'm not going to dock your grade. I'm not going to get in trouble. This little side deal we have. However, I'm going to lose that little bit of extra respect for you as someone that follows through with your commitments. doesn't mean I'm going to lose respect for you as a person. I'm just not going to be as trusting that in the future when you ask me for something and you're telling me you're going to do something in return, like a makeup assignment, something like that, you're going to lose my trust because you didn't fall through with your end of the bargain. See, this is the, the three steps of how it works in normal human relationships. If you do something that someone, you know, respects and they go, wow, that, that's an honorable thing. That's, that's a really good thing. Then you're going to develop some trust with them. As you develop trust with that person, eventually that person will give you more freedoms or they will allow you freedoms if you ask them for those freedoms. Or at least there's a greater chance they're going to do that for you because you have to do things that they respect first. That leads to trust. And after the trust grows, then freedom is the next step. So those are the three things right there that lead young people to getting the freedom that they want. So I tell them, if you want to be free to do the things that you want or to live life you want, you have, well, you don't have to, but it's going to help you a lot if you learn to be better at negotiating. So now the seven different steps that the Harvard Law School came up with, and I'm elaborate on each one of those just for a, few, uh, just for a moment. So um, the, uh, the first one they labeled as interests. Now I'm going to read down what I, this is part of what I have in my curriculum, in my own words, not the way that they said it. But interests are the fundamental drivers of negotiation. According to Patton, one of the authors uh, of, of this book, um, says, our interests guide and guide and what we do and say. It's, our interest guides us in what we do and say. That was a typo. Experienced negotiators observe and probe for information to better understand the interests of the person they are wanting to negotiate with. Now think about that. If your teenager, your kid understands your interests and they were to say, listen, my mom, let's use a dad this time. My dad is really interested in me working hard and doing my homework and not having any missing assignments. If you were going to negotiate, if I was talking to one of my clients, if they want to negotiate with their parent to be able to let them go to a concert or do something, you know, like that, that was really important to them this summer, I'd say, since you're not in school and your dad is really interested in hard work, doing extra chores, doing homework, whatever it may be, why don't you go to your dad and say, listen, you don't have to allow me to go to this concert. You don't have to allow me to do anything. You've already done plenty enough for me. You buy me clothes. You do all this great stuff for me. So what I'm about to ask you, I'm not saying, please, dad, I'm not begging you and I'm not demanding you give this to me but I'm actually going to ask you for something and I'm going to offer something in return that I'll be willing to do for you if you're willing to do something or allow me to do something I want to do. So then the kid would go to his dad 
after that say, I want to go to this concert. I know you're not really interested in this music. I know it's not the type of music you love. And I know if it was up to you, you probably would prefer me not to go to this concert. However, I also know that whenever I work hard and I earn things, you don't mind giving me extra privileges and you don't mind buying things for me every now and then, you know, within reason, like as long as it's not too expensive. So what I'm willing to offer you that, if you're willing to let me go to this concert with my friend or whoever it is, and you know, I'll, I'll do whatever, like you know, I'll check in one there, whatever it is, then I will help you clean out the garage this next week. Now I'm assuming this is a, an, an issue between this father and son where the, the father has been wanting the son to clean out the garage. And then the son goes to the dad and says, I know my dad is interested in hard work. I know my dad's been interested in me helping him clean the garage. And I've just been kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. So if I go to him saying, I'm going to help you clean up the garage and that is my negotiating tool. Now I have something because I already focused on what my dad was interested in, not solely what I was interested in, in getting from him. Okay. Next one, legitimacy. The quest for a legitimate or fair deal drives many of our decisions in negotiations. If you feel the other person is taking advantage of you, you're likely to reject their offer, even if, even, even if it would leave you objectively better off. To succeed in negotiation, we need ask for things that others will view as legitimate and fair. In short, don't try to negotiate based off of something you want without considering if the person if the other person will think it's fair or not. So in this example, I just used with the father and the son. You notice I didn't say, you know, I would suggest the son to go to the dad and say, hey, listen, um, I know you like it when I work hard at things. So tomorrow, um, instead of going to shoot around baskets, you know, instead of just going to shoot baskets for an hour, tomorrow I'll shoot for two hours because that's going to help my shot get better. Now let's assume this dad's a big basketball fan, wants his son to become a better basketball player, that wouldn't be a really fair negotiation because the kid was going to play basketball anyways for an hour. He likes playing basketball. He wants to get good at it. And so the kid in this situation really isn't offering up much of a sacrifice that benefits the dad. It's just something that the dad would prefer he does anyways. So if he's to help clean the garage out with the dad and that took hours, that is considered more of a fair offering for this negotiation. So that's what that set focuses on. Legitimacy really means, is it a fair deal or agreement that you're trying to get into a negotiation with someone else? So that's a step. First one is interest. You got to know what they're interested in. Second one is legitimacy. Third one is relationships. You can strengthen the relationship by considering the interest and and legitimacy or fairness of what you're asking of the other person. Successful negotiations and follow through on the agreement can build stronger bonds of trust and respect. Just like I mentioned before, every young person out there wants their parents to trust them, respect them. So this summer, when they come to you and they want you to just give them something, you know, this is the opportunity where you use the relationship. Say, hey, listen, I'm not saying that I'm not going to let you go. So if this was the dad, you know, if the son came at the dad said, will you let me go to the concert? I would tell the dad to say something like this. I'm not saying you can't go to the concert, but I want you to kind of think about what's important to me. Why don't you offer me something like to make me a deal, aka to negotiate with me? That way I feel like I'm getting something out of this instead of just being a nice dad. Because dads sometimes and moms and parents in general don't just like to be nice. They like to be effective and they also like to feel like there's a partnership and a relationship 
that it's mutually benefiting between the two of you. So good negotiations can lead to good agreements. Those good agreements, if both parties fall through on them, it builds more trust, builds more respect. And then the next time the negotiation gets easier. A lot of you guys listening to this may have had businesses or work in some sort of business. You know that you like to work and do business with people that you have a trust with because they've performed, they followed through. Doing business with new people sometimes is a little scary because everyone sounds like their products and their company is going to be great. But until you start working with people for a while, you don't really know if they're going to follow through or not. So that's how your relationships can actually get stronger with your kids if you try to use opportunities throughout the summer to bring in negotiation or making deals of some sort. The next one, number four, alternatives. You consider other options and backup plans if your proposed negotiation doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. This way you don't try and force or guilt the other person to comply because you had no other ways to solve your problem. So I've done this with a number of students in my class when they come to me. End of this last quarter, I had a bunch of students, well, not a bunch, a handful of them came and said, hey, listen, Mr. Cause, I know I missed multiple weeks of your class. In fact, one kid, this one girl, I didn't even know who she was. She came to me, she goes, hey, can you sign this for me? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, what's up? I thought I had her from last quarter. That's because she only came to one class all quarter long and it was the first day. Then she came to the last day of class and asked me to sign her paper to excuse all of her absence, all of her unexcused absences. And I was just like, are you kidding me right now? Like in my mind, I'm like, I, I don't know this girl, but I can't believe that she has the audacity to just come here and, and, just, and just say, hey, here's what I want you to do for me. So what I did on this moment, I said, I tell you what, I'm not saying I'm going to sign this or I'm not going to sign it. But I'm just curious. Do you have a backup plan if I don't sign it. So I guess my question I'm asking you is, if I say no right now, what's your backup plan? And she was like, uh, uh, I'll just have to go to summer school and do packets to make up for the credits. I'm like, okay. So you came to me saying, here, sign this. You don't introduce yourself. You don't try to make a deal with me. You don't try to small talk with me or anything like that. You just say, will you sign this? Yes or no. Now, it puts me in a position where I don't really know you. I feel uncomfortable. So I'm glad you have a backup plan. I'm going to go down and talk to the attendance office. I've never had this situation happen. I can't guarantee I'm going to sign it. But in future, I can I give you a suggestion? She said yes. Next time you come to a teacher, if this a similar situation happens, so next time you come to a teacher, offer something to them. Tell them an excuse, a story, Give them some sort of reasoning. Try to connect with them. It doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want, but for you to come up to me and just say, hey, will you sign this for me? It was really awkward and uncomfortable for me, and I don't want to make you feel like I don't care about you, I don't like you, or it's personal. I just don't know you. I've never seen you in my class except for that one time. So having alternatives is a great deal. I mean, not a great deal, a great uh, has a great level of importance. So when you're talking to your kids and they come to you and say, okay, real quick, before I answer this, what happens, what are you going to do if I don't give you the money to go to the movie? What are you going to do if I don't allow this or I'm not going to drop you off? Have you thought of any backup plans? Because what happens is if you go to someone saying, I need you to save me from this situation, you're putting unnecessary stress on that person. So tell your kids, say, if you come to me begging me, then I feel the stress that I have to do something. And then if I don't do it, now I feel like the bad guy. I've disappointed you. I've hurt you. It'd be better if you came to your parents in this situation. I'd tell a kid, if you came to your parents, say, listen, 
here's what I want. However, if you can't do it, I totally understand it. Um, I've already thought of a couple backup plans of what I could do, but I really would prefer to your help. I'm willing to offer you like to clean up something, to do extra chores or do something so you can allow me or give me the money to, to do whatever I'm trying to accomplish. If you go in there and telling someone that you have these other alternatives already lined up and this is what you've already been thinking about, it takes the pressure off them to feel like they have to make a quick decision. And sometimes when parents or people are backed in a corner, feel like they have to make a quick decision, they will either A, just give you what you want, and then they feel resentful, they feel like they've been taken advantage of or pinned in a corner, or B, they'll react and say, no, I feel disrespected by you just calling me out, putting me on the spot, and making me feel uncomfortable and awkward at this moment. So either one of those outcomes aren't good. So that's why the alternatives is very good. Now the next one, options. Offer and show that you are open to other options in case the option you suggested has some unseen issues for the other person. This will allow the other person to see that you are not demanding it 100% the way you want it. You're not demanding it the way you want it. You are just making a suggestion. So I just kind of talked about this a little bit with options in, in the last one, alternatives. If you want your kid to get better at negotiation, tell them to bring to you, if possible, a couple different options. So like option one, I could help you clean up the garage if you let me go uh, to, um, to the concert. Option number two, I could pay for my own ticket by working off some jobs with you. And then after I pay for my own ticket, then I can work a couple more jobs to pay for the gas because everybody knows gas isn't, you know, um, uh, cheap right now. And then maybe a third option, say I could babysit, I could play video games with my little siblings, I could do whatever, whatever it is that you think of interest to your parents, I would tell a teenager to go and pick three, two or three things as different options. What, what teenagers don't know is that their parents can't read their mind. So if a teenager comes to you and says, uh, here's my deal, I'll give you this if you give me that. They're not really considering that Listen, that deal may be okay for you, but you might have something else that's more important. So the option should you should be you telling your kid, listen, if you want me to give you, you know, uh, what you want or negotiate with you, then offer me a deal, make a couple different options, think about things I like, think about things I'm interested in, things that may motivate me, and you may unknowingly give me ideas. Some parents have told me that they were going to shut down what their kid offered, but then their kid came up with other options and the parents like, you know what? Now that you say that, we do need a babysitter for this weekend. Okay. If you'll be willing to babysit, you'll be willing to do all this, this, and that, and the other, then you got a deal. You can give your parents or parents talking to your kids, tell your kids saying, if you bring options to me, I'll be so impressed, feel you're being so clever. I may actually consider making a deal with you just because you went out of your way to think about different things that I may want in return of this, of this negotiation or deal. Next one, commitment. Make sure there is an agreement in place or promise that clearly states the time, date, or expectations from the negotiation. Once you have the negotiation done, then in this case with the dad, uh, let's say the dad chose uh, to have his son help him clean the garage. Once the deal is done, it's like, okay, I'll help you clean the garage. You can't just walk away. It's got to be like, all right, we got to agree on a day and a time we're going to do this and that can't be changed unless something crazy happens. That's very important because once that day and time comes, if your teenager comes to you and they say, all right, I'm ready to do the garage, or if you go to them and say, hey, you ready to do the garage? And they say, yep, I was planning on it all day. 
then the parent or the person that your teenager is trying to communicate and negotiate with starts respect that they actually are willing to follow through and then act like, oh, wait, is that this Tuesday? I thought it was next Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I got plans with my friends. If you're a teenager out there or if you have a teenager that's always trying to like pretend like they don't remember what the deal or the bargain was, that's why you need to establish it right away, text it to them, let them know that if you don't follow through with this, now you're going to owe me double or the next time you want to go hang out with your friends or you want to borrow money, I will absolutely not even consider negotiation if you don't follow through with this on this particular time. Now, last one, communication. This is the part where you get to go back to some previous episodes because if you use the tools that we've talked about here in Light the Fight, and I'm sure there's other great tools out there too, but I know specifically the tools that I've taught on this podcast are very effective because they've worked for decades for me, my clients, and all the students that I have. So they're not really uh, just my tools. There's things I figured out, and I like to use the ones that work more than the ones that don't. So use some of the tools like statements versus questions, connection before concern, and as well as the and. So go and look up our episodes, uh, statements versus questions, connection before concern, and the and. So I'm doing air quotes, the A-N-D. That's a whole episode in itself. In fact, I believe a statements versus questions, we have two or three episodes on that. And the and, we probably have at least two uh, episodes on the and. And the connection before concern, um, I don't know if we have two episodes on that one, but we definitely have one. So those are great tools to help you be better at teaching your kids how to negotiate. So thank you very much for your time, you guys. Remember, this is the summer to teach your kids how to negotiate because this is the time where things are a little bit less stressful and you can be lighter with them and you can tell them, hey, listen, I know you want this thing, but I also want something from you. I want you to get better at asking and making deals instead of demanding simply all the things that you want when you want it and Siri is obviously uh, talking to me right now. No, Siri, I'm not going to say it again. So take that advice. Take those suggestions. Come back and tell me what you think about it here on the podcast. You can hit us up on Instagram. You can hit us up on Patreon. If you're not familiar with our Patreon, go to www.patreon.com backslash light the fight. For $5 a month, we do extra videos every single week, extra content. And you have a whole year's catalog of tons of question videos that we've been doing specifically for the people on the Patreon. So as always, you guys, thank you for helping us to light the fight and help your kids be better negotiators because Lord knows they were not born to be a negotiation expert. They got to learn how to do it. Thank you. Have a great week.